If you're new, my name is Ryan. We're absolutely thrilled to have you join us this morning. We are finishing up our Entrusted series. Uh, This is part three of Entrusted. If you missed any of it, you can go to awakeningchurch.com to check it out, and we'd love to have you do that. But here's what we said uh, all the way back in week one, is we said that money, and the reason we're talking about this uh, is actually the Bible talks a lot about it uh, over 2,000 times. I don't know if you knew that. Over 2,000 times it talks about money, and here's the reason why. Money impacts or touches every single part or aspect of our life. And when you think about your relationships, maybe it's your marriage, maybe it's friendships, maybe it's uh, with your family members, uh, whether it's a parent or uh, siblings, it impacts that. Your future hopes and dreams, your money touches and impacts that. And most importantly, maybe not most importantly, but uh, importantly so, it impacts your present experience of peace. And we ask this question, how do you truly experience financial peace? If you look around, we tend to live under immense financial pressure, yet few, if ever, truly experience financial peace. And and what we said, and this has been the reason we entitled this Entrusted, is that it's moving from entitlement to entrustment. Like God's prescription for experiencing financial peace is fundamentally a perspective shift on moving from one of entitlement, and I've said this every week, so I'm going to say it again now, entitlement is not a millennial issue, it is an American issue. We struggle with it uh, as a culture, shifting from entitlement to this idea of entrusted is God's antidote for experiencing financial peace. Entitlement says this, it's mine. All that I have is mine. I earned it, so I deserve it, so I can do with it whatever I want. Mine, deserve, earn, the American way. But to experience financial peace, you have to shift from entrusted, and it's the perspective that all that I have is God's. He entrusted it to me. It's not mine. It's his. And so I will steward it. I don't use it how I want to use it, per se. I am a steward. I have been entrusted with it, so I'm going to steward it the way he wants me to use it. And as long as we have a tight grip on our stuff, our stuff has a tight grip on us and will be filled with anxiety. And when we entrust it and realize we're stewards and we go, okay, all that we have is God's, then we're now freed up to enjoy what God has given us. And so we said this every single week. This is a review because this is such a big deal for our culture. That God's antidote for entitlement and his pathway for you and I to experience financial peace is found in the principle of what? Anybody? Oh, man. You know, in my head, I, I heard this like resounding, you know, I just like everybody all at once was like first fruits. I'm like, yes, well done, church. You have been journeying with me for three weeks and wow, cannot believe. And it didn't happen that way. God's antidote for experiencing financial peace is found in the principle of That still felt pretty good. I'm not going to lie. I know it was the second time around, but it felt pretty good. And here is 
the principle of first fruits. We gave you a proverb, then a principle, then practice. Here was the proverb. It was found in Proverbs 3, 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. And we talked about that, of taking the first and best and giving it to God. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats uh, will brim over with new wine. And here is the principle that we said. Give God your first and best, and he will bless the rest. God isn't interested in your stuff. He, he doesn't need it. He created it all. He created you. The church isn't interested in your stuff. Some churches might be. We're not. Okay? And by the way, because we've been talking on this every single week, if there's any hint, and I've said this every single week again, if there's any hint, Ingram's just trying to get you to give to awakening. Do not give to awakening. But this is so important, so powerful for your life. Give somewhere. Entrusted, live it somewhere. Your peace is at stake if you do not. Okay? God, give God your first and best. We talked about that as the tithe, and He will bless the rest. He wants to bless you like a good heavenly Father can only bless you. And here's the practice reverse the order, which simply means we talked about this give first, save second, live on the rest. Give first, first 10% tithe. In fact, we issued, I got it in here, what it called the stewardship challenge. This, is, this will be any time you ever want to take it up. The cards are on the back here where if you've never biblically tithed, where you give God the first 10% of what you have and you trust God to provide the rest, he says this is the only area, this is such a big deal to God, this is the only area that God invites us to test him on. And so we say, take him up on it. We double dare you. We challenge you. In fact, I know fear for many is the big issue, and that's the reason we do the stewardship challenge and say, hey, 90 days, fill this thing out. You can read it and understand it. 90 days, if you don't experience the blessing of God, and we defined what that is. I don't have time to go into that in the very first series. But if you don't experience that, we'll give you our money back. We'll just, we'll, you just say, hey, I don't think it worked. Fine. We won't even ask any questions. We'll just give your money back. Now, if you give somewhere else and you ask for money from here, we ain't doing that. But, all right? So give first, save second, live on the rest. Next, we said, the practice is spend less than you make. And we talked all about that last week and how to steward or build or save for the future. Uh, And then finally, make a plan. And this has been the outline for our series. And so this morning, we're going to talk about making a plan. We're going to talk about budget. Doesn't that sound fun? Aren't you glad you showed up to church? Like, woo, 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 woo. The title of the message today is called Worn Out. And do you know why? Because the minute I hear the word budget, I get worn out. Anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you. This sermon's for you. This sermon's for you. Because there's some people, there's some people, man, they love budgets. God bless them. They get so excited about budgets. In fact, my buddy John, uh, he's sitting right back there. Uh, Don't mean to point you out, John. He loves Excel. Like, Like he believes Excel can solve most of the world's problems. Loves Excel. And he comes up with things that blow my mind away that I had no idea Excel could do. 
I know it can add in percentage and all those sort of things. That's my baseline with Excel. So for those of you that are like, you geek out on this, you're a CPA, you're all into this, um, you're going to go, this is pretty simple, Ingram. Great. You come alongside those of us that we get worn out on this. This message is for those of us who feel worn out, who the very thought of a budget simply overwhelms you. And so what do you do? Nothing. And that's the problem. And that's the problem. We're going to talk about how to make a plan. In fact, what I want us to do is memorize a proverb together. Okay, you ready for this? We're going to memorize Proverbs 21.5. You put it up here on the screen. The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. Okay, we're going to learn this by the end of it. I hope to repeat it enough times, but I'm going to have you repeat it with me, okay? You ready? One, two, three. The plans... Now, let's, let me just unpack this real quick for you. This word plans uh, literally means a series of steps to be carried out. It's a series of steps to be carried out. The reason we get worn out the minute we think of budgets is we get focused on the end and miss all the steps in between. Because some of you are in debt. Some of you are living month to month exhausted And you have no way, and it feels like no hope of getting out. And you see the nut that needs to be cracked, and you're going, there's no way I can do it. And here's what he's saying. It's a step. You need to just lay out the steps. And I hope to lay out some simple steps today. Here's the step you need to take. And it wasn't Confucius, by the way. I did some research. It was another person who said this. The journey of a thousand miles begins with but a single step. Okay? We need to take the first step. I know you feel overwhelmed. I know it's exhausting. Take the next step. Take the next step. Take the next step. Now, diligent, this word diligent, is a person characterized by care and perseverance in carrying out a task. This word diligent, I'll say it again, is a person characterized by care, thoughtfulness, attentiveness, and perseverance. I got news for you you got to take the next step, and you got to persevere. How do you persevere? You do what needs to be done when it needs to be done, regardless of how you feel about it. That's how you persevere. As my dad used to say it growing up, it's mind over mattress. (laughs) You go, I just got to get up. The alarm's going off. I don't want to get up. It doesn't matter. You can actually choose something that's different than how you feel. Did you know that? Some of you are like, nah, oh. It's because you've never done it. And so we're going to take small steps. And when you begin to make that little choice and you see progress, I all of a sudden became British. Progress. Don't they sound smarter? Okay, I I was going to have a real honest... Okay, I will. We're having fun, so we might as well. I was a worship leader before I was a pastor, and I led lots of worship. And as a young college student, I was leading worship in Chicago. And I'm from Texas. I was born in Texas, grew up in Santa Cruz, tried to lose my hick accent as quick as I could, and then lived in Chicago. So my accent's already messed up. Some of you are like, where are you from? But when I led worship, I thought Matt Redman was the coolest 
And so I led in a British accent. Someone afterwards leading worship came up to me and said, Ryan, where are you from? Santa Cruz? Oh, I thought you were like from Australia or something. Like, no, no. From that day forward, I said, never again will I use a British accent until I talk about finances. Okay, that led us nowhere. Returning to the subject at hand. Here's the deal. Perseverance. It's a practice that you have to put in. It's a daily choice, regardless of how you feel. And for some, you've been so accustomed, so fine-tuned to respond to your feelings that you feel like you can't choose otherwise. That's where when we talked about last week, don't go it alone. You need help. You need help. You need help. You need people to walk with you. But make small choices. Make small choices that go against how you feel in that moment. And you'll begin to build up the, the ability to choose regardless of how you feel. The plans of the diligent. The series of steps to be carried out by the diligent. A person characterized by care and perseverance that carries out a specific task leads to profit. Leads to profit. However, haste. And this is the problem. And this is where we land as a culture. This is where we find ourselves more often than not. You know what haste is in the American dream? Haste is the quick fix. Haste is the silver bullet. Haste is the thing that you can make one decision and it's going to change everything. And haste is Waste. It is. There isn't a silver bullet when we're talking about this. There is not a quick fix. It takes deliberate, intentional, step-by-step practice. And so, I want to, before we dive into building a budget, I want to talk about smart people and wise people for just a second. We've been talking a lot about the book of Proverbs. It's all about wisdom. In the Silicon Valley, we have a concentration of incredibly bright, educated individuals. Smart people, here's what smart people do. Smart people know the right things. Wise people do the right things. Smart people know the right things. Wise people do the right things. We have a lot of smart people in financial debt. And chances are, and here's the reason I want to bring this up. Chances are, perhaps even through this series, you've gotten a bit smarter when it comes to your finances. The decision is yours whether you'll be wise or not. Wisdom, remember, is the application of the right knowledge at the right time in the right way. Wise people do not just hear they do. In fact, that's the reason why James, uh, the brother of Jesus, when he writes in James chapter 1, he says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself that you can come and you can listen to preaching and you can hear God's word and you can take it in and you can actually deceive yourself because you don't do anything about it. 
do what it says. Wise people do what is right. And the question, will you be smarter or will you be wiser? All right. How do we then take the next step? How do we make a plan? Ron Blue said this in Building a Budget. Most people are responders rather than planners. We respond to friends, advertising, and our emotions rather than planning our spending. Building a budget. How do we do this? I want to get real simple, basic. I want it to be something that, that back to the KISS principle, keep it simple, keep it sustainable. I violated that, that this fall. Uh, you heard from Christina that we're going to be canceling our Sunday evening service. Uh, really, it goes back to an area where I couldn't sustain it. Losing Steve, my number two guy in this season, this fall was a great fall, exciting, some precious moments, and a really, but just for my pace of life, it just I, I was breaking down by November, and so we had to pull back, keep it simple. I want this budget to be simple and sustainable for you. Okay, so here's how we're going to begin. We're going to start with why. Now. Chances are, you've been asking that question the entire time. Like, why is Ryan wearing a fanny pack? <laughs> well, because it's on trend right now. I don't know if you know that, but, uh, <laughs> but fanny packs are in. They're called hip packs now. When I was a kid, fanny packs were cool. And then as I got into, like, late junior high, high school stage, they got uncool. Uh, But here's the reason why I'm wearing a fanny pack. When I was 16, my family, uh, we went on a big trip. My dad had a sabbatical, and we went over to Israel and Europe. And I was in high school, and uh, that was probably the worst time to take uh, someone on a big trip, period. Like, as a high school student, I just met this girl, and I thought she was the best thing since sliced bread. And then my parents took me halfway around the world and ripped me away from her. And I mean, I literally have a picture of me sitting on the Sea of Galilee, brooding. I'm on the Sea of Galilee in a boat, like the same sea that Jesus like calmed the waves on, walked on water on, and I'm sitting there angry at my parents for taking me to this amazing like place because they ripped me away from some girl I don't even know anymore, you know? Worse. But one of the things I remember specifically about that trip is my dad wearing a fanny pack. (laughs) I cannot tell you how embarrassing it was to walk around with a dad with a fanny pack on every single location. He's got his fanny pack on, and I was just like, oh my gosh, because they weren't on trend. They, they, They just were not. They were out of style. Now, here's the deal. One blogger wrote this about fanny packs. I like this. Fanny pack is like wearing a helmet while biking. It looks dorky, but it makes so much sense. <laughs> Let me talk a little bit about budgets. Budgets are never going to be cool. They're never going to be cool. But they make so much sense. They make so much sense. And, and here's the deal. Millennials, 
There's going to be so many things, so much pressure on you to engage, to have, to look, that is going to pull you away from a budget that's going to set you up for a solid foundation and a future. And people are going to look at you and go, really? Really? Come on. Let go of it. And if you do, you're going to look back 10 years and wish you had worn that fanny pack. See, my dad was walking around, and he could carry everything right with him. And here's the thing. Budgets are not cool, but they are effective. They are profitable. They are practical, and they are strategic. And so to do a great budget, you have to start with why. And here's the reason. If you do not understand why you need a budget, you will never stick to your budget. If you don't have a long-term end and goal that is a driving, motivating factor in your life where you go, no, no, that's the destination, then you'll never understand why this step is important, why this step is important, and why I should say no to this and yes to that. Start with why. Start with why. Get it clear. Otherwise, you'll find yourself adrift and on a journey you never intended to take. And so many people look up and wonder why they're where they're at. And if they only had a fanny pack, they would have been so much better off. Proverbs 29, 18 says, Where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom and instruction. One uh, translation of this says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. Where, Where there is no understanding of why. What's your why? Because budgets, I, I'm, I'm, I, can't, I can't sex up like this morning. I can't make budgets the coolest thing ever. And you go like, awesome. But man, is it important. Man, will it set the trajectory of your life. Get clear on your why. In fact, what I want you to do is I want you to write on a three-by-five card your why. And review it. What is your why? In fact, so this is my, I have a group of three by five cards, about 10 of them that I review almost daily. The things that I want to keep in front of me. None of us drift anywhere. Good. We go there intentionally. And so I'm going to intentionally focus my mind and my heart around things that are going to take me in the direction I ultimately want to be. So how about you? Like for me, I wrote down 2 Corinthians 9, 6, and 8. And I have a new one at the beginning of every year. And so I just have this verse. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he's decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. You know what part of my why is? It's to live such a generous life that those around me experience God's blessing in a way otherwise they would never have experienced. Like like God says, when when you sow generously, he he wants to so leverage your life that he's going to give you everything you need to do every good work in front of you. Like, I don't want to miss out on that. I don't know about you. And so I have then just some goals under here. 
And I actually got a couple on the back, and then I have a breakdown of a basic budget. Again, I said I'm simple on the whole budget thing. Start with why. Write it on a three-by-five card. Maybe you start figuring out your why by your future hopes and dreams. I asked this question last week. Where do you see yourself in 10 years? Where do you see, maybe if you're married, where do you see your family, your marriage in 10 years? Um, I have a good buddy, and he's done well in his life. I think I shared this story in the second service last week. <laughs> but his why for his work, because he could retire and be well off for the rest of his life. He's like, every new deal means I get to give more away. And it drives and fuels that next deal. What is your why? Start with why. Second, write your priorities. Write your priorities. And yeah, see, it's not just the... I, I'm, it's, see, it's useful. <laughs> in pen. Write your values in pen. Write what's most important in pen. Don't let the current of the day sway your priorities. Don't let the pressures of friendships and the families and those around you and whatever it means to keep up with the Joneses sway your priorities. Write it down in pen. What is most important? That's what priorities answers. What is most important? Part of our priorities from day one has been this give, save, live. It's been percentage-based. 10% give, 10% save. Live on 80. That means I'm telling my money where to go. I'm not just simply responding to it. In fact, one of the things I'm really proud of, this whole conversation, and you never know, like, how's it, it going to impact every single um, you know, stage of life, but I've, I've heard of a few college students that after church, they're going like, hey, um, you want to go out to lunch? And then all of a sudden there's this pause because we've been talking on finances. Um, you know, I think I'm just going to go home and make lunch today. And I'm like, how cool is that? Way to go. You're starting, not that you can't have fun. I'm going to talk about that in a second because some people are like, budgets are no fun. Yeah. You know what's no fun? is being stressed out, in debt, and have no financial future. That's no fun. Budgets are actually freedom. They don't suck the life. They actually set you up for life. All right. Write your priorities in pen. Tell your money where you want it to go. What's most important? And I'll just give you this. We've been talking about it. Give, save, live. That's a priority. That's a percentage priority of how to live. Maybe it's a priority for you. Get out of debt. Maybe it's a priority for you. Never be in debt. What is your priority? But write it in pen. Then write your budget. Here we go. In pencil. <laughs> write it in pencil. Budgets change all the time and require constant adjustment. Your priorities do not. Okay? And what we do is we don't really know what our priorities are. We've never sat down to figure those out. And then, if you're like me, I remember the first budget I made. I, like, back to the title of this, Worn Out, just thinking about budget wore me out. I spent all this time working on this budget, and it was beautiful. I mean, it was beautiful. 
for, for like a grade school student because that was my capacity at the time, you know. And then something happened in the month that I didn't expect. I've totally forgot. I didn't budget that in. And that happens all the time. Write your budget in pencil. Had someone told me, you're going to have to make constant adjustments. You're going to have to really, one month, I mean, we're coming up to Christmas. So you're going to have to reallocate certain things for Christmas presents. I mean, we just took our kids to the doctor. I think it was this last week. I can't remember. Did you have a a doctor's budget? Oh, no, i got to put that in there. Or kids' sports. Well, that happens so inconsistently. Write your budget in pencil. And so let me give you a few steps to write a budget. First, determine your monthly income. What do you make? This is the most fun or discouraging part of the budgeting process. Determine your monthly income. However, this is the easiest part, and here's the best part. All of you either already know it, or in a matter of seconds, can complete step one. You've already made a step. Perfect. Step two, you ready for step two? Write down what you are spending. This has been the application for the last two weeks. So get this. If you've done the homework the last two weeks, step one, Step two, are already done. You're not only taking one step, you've taken two steps. You're like moving. You're like moving. You're going somewhere. You're on the way. Way to go. And you just need to celebrate that right there, okay? That that you're taking some steps. First, determine your monthly income, what you have coming in, what do you make. Write down what you are spending. How much is actually going out the door? Not what do you feel like's going out the door. What is actually going out the door? And, and then you get to see, here's what comes in. Uh-oh, here's what's going out. That makes sense why at the end of every month, there's not enough money. Oh, that coffee habit could be $500 less. That habit, I can cut back here. You cannot, by the way, make a budget if you do not track your money. It's impossible. It's the reason it's been to practice every single week. And by the way, if we are entrusted, if we're stewards, let me, let me just unpack this real quick for you. If, if you had a financial planner and you gave them $10,000, okay, and you asked them, I want you to invest my money for me. You come back a month later and you ask them, so what'd you do with my money? Uh, I don't know. I don't really know. I mean, I spent a little bit over here, and I feel like it did pretty good over here. I think we might have lost something over here. I'm not really all that certain. Would you ever give your money back to that financial planner? No. To be good stewards of God's money, it's His money. We have to know where it is going first. Determine your monthly income. Second, write down what you're spending. Third step. And on the back of your notes, I have the quick start budget. Input into the quick start budget. I stole this from Dave Ramsey, okay? Financial Peace University. We're offering the course in January. But you can start here. And here's what's really important on this. 
you're going to begin to separate your needs versus your wants. Your fixed expenses versus your things that you can adjust on. Asking the question, do I really need this or do I really want this? Do I really need this new pair of shoes or do I really want it? It's not bad to have the new pair of shoes. But if you cannot afford a new pair of shoes, then you do not need it. Some, you're starting a brand new job and you have to dress up for this job. And you've never dressed up in your entire life. And you can't show up the way you show up. And you need to go get a nice shirt and a nice pair of shoes. And it may be for the first month you're wearing the same clothes every single day because you cannot afford a new suit. But you save up and you go like, okay, well, I got to invest in that. But you tell your money where it's going. And see, on this back side, you just begin to input. Okay, charity, tithe, savings, housing, utilities, food. Notice that it said groceries, not eating out. I, I, I love eating out, by the way. I mean, I love it. Growing up, we never ate out, and that's probably the way, way I love it so much. Growing up, we, uh, when, especially so our Texas years, we had no money. I lived off, anybody lived off peanut butter and honey sandwiches every single day? Yeah. Um, like when we had meat in the house, it was a really big deal. There was days, um, weeks when like we didn't exactly know when we were going to have groceries and groceries magically like showed up on our doorstep type deal. When I was, a, you know, between the age of zero to three, we were in subsidized government living. Then we got outside when I was about five or six to just housing, but didn't have a whole lot. So like we had nothing and going out to eat was going to McDonald's you know, and getting to share the pancakes on a Saturday morning with my older brothers. And so I eat really fast as a result because there was, <laughs> there was never anything left over, ever, ever. Um, it's a terrible habit, but I still do to this day. I eat super, super fast. And so as a result, I love eating out. I love it, love it, love it to the point that it doesn't love me back. It was one of the areas that our budget really hit and hurt because I was like, oh, man, we never got to do this, and now I can do it anytime I want. And then I realized, no, 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 I cannot. Groceries, food, clothing, transportation, personal. Take time to input your expenses into the quick start budget, and you're going to have organized and categorized where you're spending your money, how you're spending the money, and then step four, expect to make adjustments. That's it. Go, hey, this is written in what? Pencil. Where'd my pencil go? There it is. It's written in pencil. Get a good eraser. And each week, each month, have a time where you just check in on this. You check in on it consistently. It's not that big of a deal. You check in on it inconsistently. It grows and becomes overwhelming. Check in on it just once a week. Go, you know what? We got to adjust this. For us, we have some adjustment because of, um, of Christmas. So we got lots of presents. So we don't have, we have a gift category. My wife loves buying gifts. She loves buying gifts. We have a gift category. However, it does not suffice for Christmas and the amount of cousins that we have, or nieces and nephews to be specific, that we have in our family. And so we have to borrow from one category that we would normally spend and say, we're not going to spend it in this area this month for our gifts category. You just make adjustments. Instead, what happened to me that very first time when I made a budget and I found that I needed to make adjustments, I got completely deflated. 
I got completely deflated, discouraged, and so I gave up, and I quit, and I stopped. And that's what I don't want to happen to you. I don't want you to get excited, go, you know what, budgets actually are sexy and cool. They're on trend right now. And so I'm going to dive into this, and then all of a sudden you realize, oh, I made, I made this great budget. I worked so hard on it. And then I didn't think about health or life insurance. I, I didn't think about, man, you know what, paying off this bill or that bill. Expect to make adjustments. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to start with why. We're going to write our priorities in pen. Do that. Sit and take time. What are your priorities? What's most important? Write your budget in pencil. And I'm going to invite you to adopt the envelope system. This was our basic budgeting tool when we were first married. Some of you are more sophisticated. I don't use the envelope system so much anymore. I actually do use Excel right now. Thank you, John. Um, but here's the envelope system. I've got some envelopes here. Is if you remember last week, here's what we say. You spend eight, 16 to 18% more when you pay with a credit card than when you pay with cash. You want to cut what you spend, just start spending cash instead of credit. And so envelope system just says, hey, I'm going to budget for the week, and I'm going to put... Um, put cash away. I make this, I've already budgeted it. And so once there's no cash in the envelope, I have nothing more to spend. And so I just gave you some categories. Some of this works out well. You know, I gave the categories that I think work out well to do the envelope system. For some, you know, if you can automate your fixed expenses, if you can automate your rent, if you can automate some of those things, that's great. Automate, like I automate giving and all of that. Um, But then like for areas that, especially the areas where you have a tendency to overspend or thoughtlessly spend, right? You don't think about it or you get caught up in the moment. This is great. And so here's one. This is one for us. My wife loves it. Gifts. Like, you love to buy gifts or you need to buy gifts. Some of you are like, I've never bought a gift. You, you, you need to buy a gift. And start with your mama. She's been waiting. <laughs> gifts. Maybe it's, I know I've talked to a lot of singles who are going to a ton of weddings. It's crazy. Or birthdays or Christmas. How about Fun. This is literally a budget item for me. I prioritize fun, okay? In my budget, one of my priorities is fun. That's written in pencil. We like to have fun as a family. I don't care how stripped down the fun has to be, how free the fun has to be, or how little we can spend on it. We're going to have a budget item for fun, and so right at the top, eating out, as you can see uh, there, I like to eat out. Movies, activities. For some, you might need a coffee one. For some, you might need an alcohol one. And you're going out with friends and buying these expensive drinks. Stop that, by the way. Um, <laughs> another area, household. And here's what I found. Uh, groceries was too limited And I'm not very, I had to keep things simple. So we have a household budget item, and it covers basically everything pertaining to the household. So groceries, you know, cleaning supplies, toiletries, um, anything. Like if you shop at Target or Costco, which is the best place on the face of the planet, um, but just household. And you just begin to go, okay, I'm going to put, what is your budget this month per week? 
Go to the bank, get the money out. And when you feel that money come out of your hands, it, it's different. And we're increasingly becoming so um, disconnected from our spending. You got to really beware. Because even paying with a credit card is a lot harder today than paying with Apple Pay or one-click Amazon, which, gosh, man, that's trouble. <laughs> Me and books on Amazon, good grief. That is, I, I'm going to see a therapist about that uh, there. Start with why. Write your priorities in pen. Write your budget in pencil. And would you adopt the envelope system? Would you adopt it where you go, okay, discretionary spending. Spending where I tend to think thoughtlessly. Would you adopt the envelope system? And finally, there's no secret formula. However, this is the Ingram family secret rub for any steak, ribs. I mean, this is amazing. This stuff is so good. It makes incredible barbecue sauce. Um, I mean, you can put it on chicken. You can be the worst cook on the face of the planet. It's an Ingram's secret recipe. However, we got it from a Pottery Barn uh, email brochure. And it actually is quite tasty, but you still have to be a good cook to use it. It really went nowhere, did it? There are no secret formulas. There are no quick fixes. The plans of the diligent lead to profit. As surely as haste leads to poverty. If you're looking for a silver bullet, there is not one. If you're looking for a quick fix, you will not find it. It's taking the next step. What is your next step? And remember, remember, smart people. Smart people know the right things to do. Wise people do the right things. Why don't you stand and we'll close. Next week, we kick off a brand new series presence. We're entering a season all about being present with others, God with us, being present in a, uh, the incarnation, and yet we find that in the hurry and the hustle of the season, we're not very present. So two-part series next week, we're going to talk about being present uh, with others, and actually my sister's going to speak. Uh, really excited about that. And then Thanksgiving weekend, we're going to be talk talking about being present with God as we enter the Advent season, and Roland, uh, our uh, Youth guy is going to speak and really excited about that. You do not want to miss it. All right, can you put up the verse the, that we had? I want us to say it again. I remember we're going to memorize this. I want this to be in our DNA uh, as we go. I don't know if you can find it. I'm, there we go. You ready? One, two, three. The plans. I love you had the address. I love that. That's so good. That's so Awana style right there for those who know what Awana is. Um, as you go from this place, may you not simply be smarter, but may you live 
wisely so that watching world would be drawn to your heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, amen. See ya.